0: everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee or wine and talking about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. Sometimes we read things. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. This is episode 48, The Rising Sun, or everyone would think of it, The Captain's Story Hour, because this is a science fiction story I wrote for an anthology with a rock and roll theme, but it didn't make the cut, And that's okay. Sometimes stories don't. There's a bit of fun in finding it the right home. Fate and Duotrope found me Tiger Shark Publishing, who ran it in issue 23, fall of 2019. Although Tiger Shark Publishing is a non-paying site, I had to go with it. And some of you out there listening will know because of the Tiger Shark name. I'm sure you'll understand. Here we go. The Rising Sun by Jeannie Warner. Music plinked over the intercom, an arpeggio of minor chords coaxed from steel strings. It echoed unpleasantly along the catwalks and corridors of the ship, with an exaggerated sliding noise of fingers along the strings as the player moved his fingers along the chord. The bass reverb from the lowest string scratched with feedback that sent the precious alloys in the ship's wiring singing very faintly in protest. I knew that song. Of course I knew it. There are archives that never seem to die in the inner system music feeds. I punched the intercom just outside the bridge and leaned close to the speaker beside it. I'm going to enter this bridge, and I'm going to kill you slowly, I murmured low. I'm going to rip off your head and arms and sew them on backwards with those steel strings. Future travelers will come upon your frozen body just floating in space with the neck of that guitar sticking out of your, oh, the music broke off with a thump of a pair of boots sliding off a console. The intercom was on? Sorry, Captain. I shut off the connection and entered the bridge. My pilot was hastily stowing an antique instrument back into its synth lizard case. With his snaps shut, he kicked the case towards a weapons locker where it stuck halfway underneath. He smiled back my way and essayed his best ingenue expression. Sensors are all clear down the lanes, Captain. We'll rendezvous with the Constellation Minor in fifteen minutes. I snorted very slightly. His demise was only in abeyance for the sin, and I could see by the whites of his eyes that he was aware a line had been crossed. Cascading distortion enabled? Yes, Captain, he averred and surreptitiously flicked a button on the panel next to the offending ship's all-broadcast setting. I forgave the inattention this once, as I'd startled him. It was rare enough. We're timed perfectly with the solar flare activity— I've already received the all-clear from our target, along with a hee-haw welcome wagon message. I stared at him for a minute, and he flushed. Sorry, I mean, their permission to approach and make airlock. They're delighted to trade with us for spare ear filters. He knows I hate colloquialisms. Idioms are for dirt lickers. The people who spend too long on colonies are in mining fields. Space is for precision, calculations, and profit. No cowboys. The beams from Central were all about the noble space cowboy, and they're so full of plot holes you could fly a luxury cruiser through them. Cowboys are sloppy. Cowboys don't attend to details. Cowboys get people killed. See that we follow their landing instructions to the letter, I said. If they get clever or change things, ping me. I reached up and touched the implant behind my ear and tapped it once more to enable two-way communication. You have the bridge. I headed down to the docking bay where the crew was assembled to start inspection. It studied the new recruits, this regular routine before every mission. You've all read the specs? Is everyone clear about their assignments? Any final questions? By handed me a bottle as so I looked the crew over. They were perfect. As expected. Then my newest recruit raised her hand, tentatively. I have one. I... Can I ask if... I sighed. Having a reputation as a terrifying martinet means you have to coach newbies along to get them past the fear. Spit it out, Zoo. When I ask if you understand, that is exactly the time to say no. Did you read the briefing materials and the project plan? I did, Zoo nodded hard. I did. I just wondered if, will there be enough oxygen for them to make planet fall anywhere? I mean, this isn't just aggressive pre-abandoned wreck salvage, right? Eyes rolled on either side of her, but no one ventured any verbal signs of exasperation. Bye. I looked to my right hand. Dark-eyed By's lips quirked with amusement. Their tone level. The Constellation Miner's last dock was New Manitoba. They loaded fifty-nine point eight six tons of fuel with a maxed-out reading, according to the deck manager, with a capacity of sixty tons at a burn rate of point eight six. Wrestlers out of orbit and into the slane. They will have four hours to recover and still make it to an inhabited moon. Our ship has a rep through our branch of hostile takeovers in the corp, and we earned it through precision and tight deadline management. Thank you, bye. Any other questions, Zhu? Are you confident? The girl nodded, gulping a little with nerves. Yes, Captain. Comms. Data. I practiced all night with Ning on the sim. Beside her, Ning inclined her head once. It was enough. Ning was an old hand, a crusted true mate. She trained most of the noobs we've had. From the bridge, our pilot's voice came over the intercom as the ships linked with a kiss of pneumatics and pressurization. Airlock in four, three, two, one. Connecting. I turned to look at the hatch as a clang shunked the hull. I felt our gravity decrease, marching the new ship's lighter pull. The discrepancy would give my crew an advantage for being stronger than expected if Plan A didn't work. The rest of the life-support match-up procedure sounded a series of beeps on either side, with little puffs of air as the lock equalized the pressure. When the all-clear light above the portal turned green, dual irises slid open. Smiles, I murmured, putting on one myself. There were cheers from the assembly on the foreign ship as I led my crew through the airlock. Their crew was dressed in varying degrees of the miners' corporate uniform, one-piece jumpsuits, long zippers for easy changing and any grav rating. Six waited for us, men and women with poorly combed hair, deep-space miner cowboys. They hadn't even scanned our ship. So much for the p manuals from their corporate masters. "'Good people! Our thanks for the response. You've saved us from having to take up gambling and start pillow fights to keep the boredom away while we waited for supplies.' I walked forward, barefoot in flowing silks and toting the bottle. I identified their captain from his body language and the way the others were arrayed behind him. His legs were splayed, hand on hips with his head tilted back. A dominant posture. It was an easy mindset to disarm, if you know how, and there on his chest was the patch with his name, Nico. I headed straight for him and raked him with a glance, head to boots, and grew an appreciative smile. I stopped too close and laid a hand over his heart, slowly moving my eyes up to his lips. Welcome, he stuttered a little off guard by my combination of daring without making eye contact. I slid a hand around the back of his neck and pulled him gently down to meet my lips for a long, wet kiss. His crew cheered, and I rubbed my hips against his suggestively. When I pulled back to smile upward, his breath was shorter, his cheeks already flushing from the intoxicants in my lipstick. I'm so glad we were in range. My engineer has a set of replacement filters ready. He gestured weakly toward a man in engineering markings who had eyes only for by. They had already marked the poor engineer and were stalking him with a graceful swing of their hips. I was briefly envious. If I could walk like that, i have made my fortune and retired already. But Bai didn't have the same ambitions. They liked the game. Allow us to show our gratitude properly. What do you see to maybe a uh, little you and me time in private? I smiled at the captain, hefting the bottle, then linked my arm through his. Oh, by all means, your crew will find a warm welcome. Heck, I feel like below we'll you for the filters by the time we're all, uh, done. I'll pay cap, one of his crew laughed, wrapping an arm around Zoo's waist to pull her close. The girl simpered up at him, batting her lashes. Good girl. We had a procedure for any reaction the captain and his crew might have, a strict decision process that could have devolved to violence just as easily as seduction. Luckily for us, the man in my arms was all too happy to be led to his bunk. Plan A, the simple. My favorite. I spared a quick look back over my shoulder. My crew took their charges off in different directions. Ning led three away, two of the men and one the woman. She was good. She could handle three. She'd already started telling dirty stories in her low, throaty voice. I let the captain lead me away, and I stopped him frequently for more dosed kisses and an interrogation about his full compliment and schedule, and the drugs made him glad to answer. He was glib about his charter, the hall, his marital status. Poor Captain Nico. It's not your fault. Your corp never preps its officers to recognize and resist interrogation. Our intel matched his words, and I let Captain Nico feel my full pleasure when we reached his cabin. He was a tall man with dark hair, well-trimmed beard, and attractive grin, strong hands. His eyes were a soft hazel, I noticed, as they rolled back in his head. He collapsed decoratively in my arms. It took little effort in the partial gravity of the ship to leave his half-naked form unconscious on his bunk. I activated the zero-G straps and safety webbed him before snapping off the manual release lever with a swift kick. I touched his hair, smoothing it back as I looked into his unconscious face. It was important, I think, to look, to remember. You lose your soul when you forget what you've done. Report, I said quietly, touching my implanted mic. I listened for unexpected noises in the walkway outside, hearing none. Good. One by one, my crew checked in. I picked up the abandoned bottle and took a sip. Engineering secured. Three. Cargo bay secured. Two. Communications. That was Zhu sounding shaky. Mess. Seven. Ning is a wonder. Brig secured. I think it was sad that they had a brig. Their corp was famous for crappy discipline. It's all leadership. People behave like their leaders do. Bai's voice again confirmed that we both heard. All secured. Save the bridge. Ning and zoo with me. The rest proceed with retrieval. I made my way out up a catwalk and waited at the bottom of the stairs leading to the bridge. The door was closed, but there was music coming from the inside. Ning and Zhu arrived. Zhu's eyes were a touch glazed. It worried me for a minute, and I grabbed her face to search her eyes. No chemical bleed from the lipstick seal, no dilation. Just nerves. It happened to everyone their first time. Ning had a hand on Zhu's shoulder, smiling at the noob. Ning, wearing a real smile on a job? Wonders and miracles are alive. I turned and rapped at the closed door. Captain's compliments! we brought brandy to leave for the shift. I pulled a small vial out of my pocket with my free hand and held it low with the bottle in the other hand at eye level. The door slipped open a few centimeters and a frowning face looked out. The woman's eyes widened, seeing three of us without escort. I tossed a small packet inside at her feet as she snapped the door shut again. There was a muffled poofing sound followed by an exclamation. A shipwide alarm sounded for a half-second. Then the klaxon cut off because my crew were very good. Good job, Zoom. The girl smiled. Thirty seconds to clear, I said, and glanced at Ning, who raised her voice to speak aloud. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. She counted seconds with her pulse, which never changed on a job. At Ning's mark, I reached up and placed our electronic pick on the lock beside the door, and it opened with a whirr and a click. A three of us entered the bridge. The miner's command deck was smallish. One seat for the pilot, one for the chief drilling engineer. Logs, feeds, data records. Get everything about this system they're coming from. They're ops there. Zhu headed straight for the computer to jack in our jumper and pull data. Ning pulled the two bodies on the floor over out of the way as I went to the main console and started work. She looked up at me briefly, a silent question. I glanced at Zhu, who was busy with her work, then shook my head. Ning understood. She left the hapless miners in a heap and went to work on the underside of the control consoles. That knife in her hand could pry open a machine and gut the wiring in practically the same motion. Above her, Zhu put the beacon on a timer, setting it up as an independent system. Now she offered when it was complete, and Ning's life flashed again. Frantic beeping started, which Zhu turned off with another tap. I laid in a new course for the Constellation miner. It would arrive intact. Its crew might... On this job, we weren't getting paid enough of a bonus to guarantee personnel safety. As a professional, I always wanted to leave a fighting chance for any ship's crew. They were just doing their jobs, serving corporate masters who didn't even care enough to give them the training and tools to fend us off. Buying insurance was cheaper. I felt the hum of the small thrusters as the ship started to change course. We returned back through the airlock with all the portable cargo we could strap in from the miner before the main engines kicked in. Total mission clock, 35. Thirty-five minutes, not our best time, but with an acceptable deviation. I touched the intercom and spoke into it. Make the switch. Aye, aye, I heard our pilot say cheerfully, as outside on our hull, the designation display rising sun flickered to become the Interceptor 5 with our corporate logo. The engine spun up, and we left the Constellation Miner in our wake. The rest of the crew laughed and chattered as they moved cargo crates into storage. I collected the data chips on the mineral deposits and identified fuel sources from Zoo. You did well, I said. She smiled weakly. What do we do now? I shrugged. We go back to Nouveau Orleans Station. Then we offload the cargo and data, collect our credits, and we drink. Drinking, you don't think about it too much. I'll put a link to the stories we always do and interesting things we mention on our website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We answer email. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey-Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider and occasional host is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking and Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, enabling you all to buy cool WD sweet swag with whatever quote uh, pleases Jasmine to put on them. Thanks, Jazz, and thank you for listening.